Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast, featuring Christian entrepreneurs to inspire and empower Christian business owners to walk strongly in their faith while building a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for change makers who want to make a much bigger difference in the world and impact with their message. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says change is inevitable. We don't always get to choose the change but we do get to choose what we are rooted in and how we show up. Joining me on today's show is Stacey Henry. She's described as a champion of change and her job is to assist individuals and organisations in moving through change with a favourable transition and minimal disruptions. Now, she's the owner and founder of Centre Branch, a people-centred leadership business, and she's dedicated to helping both companies and individuals perform to their highest potential, especially through the difficult life transitions. Now, with services that include keynote speaking, workshop facilitation, women's development and leadership and executive coaching, she teaches people how to bring their best self to any situation so that they and the company that they work for can flourish. Now, on today's show, Stacey is going to share changes inevitable. The root of love is a core fundamental root needed both in individuals and businesses as well as perfection. Well, that is a unicorn. Welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me, Anne-Marie. I'm very excited to be here with you. You are so welcome. You know, it's interesting when I introduced you, you're going to be talking about change is inevitable. I think we have all been and probably still are going through momentous change. So uh, this episode is certainly going to be beneficial. It's always good to, to just to check in and, and give people. So in a moment, I'll give you an opportunity just to share a little bit about um, your journey and and what led you now to be speaking about the leadership and and dealing with change. What what's the story behind Stacey? It's a it's a great question, and I've taken a windy road, probably like many many of your of your guests. I actually went to school to be a social worker, and my whole mantra was, I want to help people. Um, after that. I, after I graduated, I, I was a social worker and I realized um, I needed to make a change. It was actually really difficult on my heart. And I pivoted into a sales organization. I spent a good chunk of my time actually in multi-unit sales, which was completely different. And I had to learn that. It wasn't until I had an employee quit and I, she was a sales trainer. And I called my boss and I said, Hey, I had an employee. She left today. She was supposed to be in the classroom. And, and my boss at the time said, well, who is her successor? And if I'm being completely transparent, I had never even heard that word before. And I said, well, I don't even know what that means. And my boss said, well, if you don't know what it means, that means it's you. So get in the classroom. And doing that sales and service training for three straight weeks and kind of taking me out of my, my job as a regional director changed my life. And I, I saw these light bulbs come on. And that's a change that I chose. And 
for the next 15 plus years, so the first 10 years was in sales. And then for the last 15, I have been in roles in leadership type of roles, whether it's training, change management, um, executive coaching. And I've worked for organizations as small as just startups. So private startup all the way through fortune 50. The one thing that never ever changed was that change was constant. So (laughs) that's kind of how I got into doing what I'm doing right now. It's interesting, isn't it? That often the, the journey and the path that we've walked can really be nurturing in us, giving us skills, strengths, awareness, knowledge and experience in an area where we're going to end up. And I'd imagine too, if I look back to some of the, the experiences that I've had, there were circumstances that I became involved in that I assumed I would never enjoy. So had you had that assumption too, but actually when you were there, boots on the ground, so to speak, it's like, I actually do enjoy this. Did you find that? Yes, there were so many times that 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 was the case. And in hindsight, I was being equipped for all of the work that I was to be doing. And I, I never actually thought that I would like being in a classroom or teaching or facilitating, but doing it, it just lit a fire in me. And I thought, Oh, I love this. And there were so many other times that as I moved through different companies and careers, I thought, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I'm going to like automotive. And I loved it. Or I'm not so sure I'm going to really like being an HR business partner. As a matter of fact, I had actually pushed that away for many years until I didn't have a choice anymore. And Mm -hmm. that that was pivotal for me in realizing that that role was the catalyst for me going out on my own and, and starting mm. a company. Yeah. And one of the things that you were saying, um, and I'm, I'm going to use that as, as a springboard, if you will, and it was that a situation which, if I recall correctly, was when the sales trainer left mm-hmm. and you spoke to someone, they said, well, who's going to replace that person? Well, there's no one. Well, now you can. Had that not happened, you would not have found yourself in that role. And that started then that whole kind of sequence that you shared. Someone may be in that situation right now where something has happened that they had not expected What are some insights that you can share, maybe reflecting back to something that you were thinking about, who me, to now learn? I mean, hindsight's a wonderful, wonderful teacher, isn't it? So what are some hindsights that you've learned that you can now share to someone who may be sitting right there in a situation where change has been thrust upon them? What are some insights you want to share with them today, Stacey? The the first insight, and I I'm telling myself this every single day as much as I I tell everybody else is embrace that change. And sometimes embracing the change feels like you're giving a cactus a hug. It's not comfortable. It's not something that comes naturally to us. And if you're in that situation, instead of holding on to the past or holding on to the way that it, it used to be, embrace it and know that it's probably going to be messy and it's probably going to be difficult and you'll work your way through it with the help of great people around you. The the second insight that I share is to stay humble through that. In this particular case where I had an employee leave and I had to go into the classroom, 
there was a difference in hierarchy. And so I had about 200 stores that were under my umbrella and I had, you know, close to a thousand employees and taking that position and kind of filling in was a humbling experience for me. And if I would have stayed in a place of hierarchy or stayed in a place of, you know, that wasn't my job or I was too good for that, Mm. I would have missed so much passion and literally would have not had the trajectory change that effectively changed my life. Mm. Would you say that when it comes to change, one of the, what's the word I'm looking for, one of the reasons that that causes fear, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, not wanting to do that is because of the unknown and that once you started to familiarise yourself with certain, in, in your case, of course, it was the training, what, what needed to be done, that kind of thing, familiarising yourself with it, you became more comfortable in that situation. Did you find that? Absolutely. Not just in that situation, in, in every situation that I've had to go in, either knew or it was an unknown. And that is, you know, kind of holding on to that, the past and Mm. letting that fear get in the way of moving forward is so common. I I experienced that myself for many years. And I think part of what helped me and what I think helps other people, and I've certainly coached a lot of people through this, is to identify what's one small win in that change. And then what's one more small win? And when you add up those wins or you add up those little small pieces, that moves you out of fear and it moves into forward momentum. I think the second part to that is that you have to give yourself grace along the way. We are most comfortable when we know how to do a job or we know how to do whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a job. It could be anything. And once we've got that down, we're in a rhythm and a momentum. Learning something new is going to feel just awful and (laughs) awkward for most people. Now, there are people who embrace that and love it. But give yourself the grace to know that it's going to take you some time to get back to that place of knowing everything and feeling really comfortable. Yeah. You, you know, as you were sharing your story at the beginning, we realised that you really are in a unique place to be able to share ch- about change because of all of the situations that you were, were um, put into and had to deal with, with change. And as I'm hearing you share the insights, beautiful insights that you've learned, one of the things that I believe was also happening was you were becoming far more more aware of what you needed to start to become comfortable you said you surrounded yourself you had people who supported you so it was having those mentors and people who you could go and ask and surround yourself with it was learning as much as you could gaining information those kind of things would you say that it was helpful for you to gain that self-awareness of what do I need that enables me to embrace that change and it is I need this information so that each time that you found yourself in a new situation where you had to adapt to change you had your MO if, if that's the right word your modus operandi and, and how best 
do you deal with that? And then that leads me to asking you, do you think one of the reasons why people often don't embrace the change is because they don't know what they need that enables them to ride with that change, to to take on that change? Does that make sense? It does. And I agree with you a hundred percent. If there were a million percent, I would agree with you a million percent on this. Um, there, there's a couple of things that come up as, as you, you know, talk about that. One is I had to learn the hard way. And so for so many years, and, and a lot of this was because of either how I grew up or what I didn't know, I didn't ask for the help. And I tried to figure out things on my own. And I, I had always thought that asking for help or not knowing the information was actually a sign of weakness. But the sign of weakness is really not asking for help, mm. not putting yourself out there. And so there's some vulnerability to that. And, and part of my MO was embracing that and learning it and, and realizing it's okay yeah. to not know the answer and it's okay to ask because people around really do have that genuine desire to help. And once you do that, it's going to help move you even quicker. And so to the question of why don't people embrace that change or move forward, it's mm-hmm. often because they don't know they should ask for help. Or we place these unrealistic expectations upon ourselves to say, well, I should know, or I should just be able to figure it out, or they gave yeah. me the job. So if I ask, they might not think that I could do it, which mm-hmm. is crazy town talk, but it's the yeah. realities that we live in today. Yeah, I remember when I think back to one of my many, you know, jobs when I was still a teenager, I was um, responsible for the accounts in a very large firm, much larger firm than I had come from. And one of the things that they didn't tell me that I needed to do was uh, put all of the, the financial information in an Excel spreadsheet and I'd never been shown and I was so embarrassed <laughs> to know that I didn't know that. So I fumbled my way through and I think they, it didn't take long for the accountant to recognise because I'd ruined formulas and all those sorts of things. And she just pulled me aside and she said, here, this is what you need to do here and here. And it was then that I you know, realise that valuable lesson that you just shared. I'm sure had I gone to someone and said, by the way, I've not been shown this before. Can you just run through this with me so that I know exactly what needs to be done? People would not say, no, hi, Andrew doesn't know how to use an MS you know, spreadsheet. So often we blow things up, don't we, mm-hmm. to portions, which is just not true at all, not true at all. So valuable lesson. Let's move to the next point around the root of love is a core fundamental root needed both in individuals and businesses, you say. Share a little bit more about this. You know, when I was, I was writing my book and in, in the coaching that I do, I find that love isn't something that, that we often talk about and it is so fundamental and it is so core in corporate environment because what I have found is that in the absence of the benevolent love, right, and the, the care and the compassion for other people, there's often conflict. And that conflict sometimes, oftentimes stifles the the root of love. And when love is there, and I'm not talking, you know, about anything other than that benevolence, that how was your day? How are you? The true care and compassion 
the the wanting people to engage with you, you're listening attentively and, and vice versa. When that's there, people let down their guards and businesses start to move forward. And it sounds so simple. Mm. And it really is that simple. I've been in, in situations and in organizations that didn't embrace love, didn't embrace the conversation or the active listening or you know, the, the care and compassion. And it was really all about productivity, moving mm. forward, getting stuff done, which is very important. But without that, it created this internal conflict amongst the people. And then actually the productivity went backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as you're sharing this, um, you know, I'm reminded of a number of conversations that I'm sure you have, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen this in the clients that you've worked with, that one of the most, well, how can I say this, um, distracting and destructive environments and workplaces is to do the opposite of what you just shared, mm-hmm. you know, and it almost gets to the point where people, if they expect, particularly if they've got a leader who is not um, compassionate, is, is 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 not slow to anger, is is very verbal and, and loud, mm-hmm. um, it almost creates, and I use the term classic, you know, people get classically conditioned to walk on eggshells all the time so that even though there may not be where the boss is screaming at someone or whatever it may be, there's still always that environment because they know that that's what, how the leader approaches it and that will inhibit someone's performance and just ability to, to show up and be their best, yes? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because the, the absence of love in my opinion, is conflict, but it's also disengagement. And mm-hmm. so if you have a leader or an organization that doesn't value that connection, doesn't value, you know, the investment of, in, you know, intentional time into the employees, they're also going to feel that. And so they're going to feel that disengagement. And so just as much of the walking on eggshells, it's also going to be, well, if I know that this company or my leader doesn't really care and have the compassion, mm. I'm going to feel disengaged, which ultimately leads back to that same place, which is that walking on eggshells in that unfulfilling workplace. And we, we spend so much time in our workplace. We want it to be fulfilling. Mm. So you talked about a number of different things, but let's just uh, provide some statements of if we're a leader in our business Mm -hmm. and which I'm assuming we are because this is the Christian Business Entrepreneur Show, uh, what are some of the qualities, what are some of the things that we need to be doing in our workplace when we deal with team? Because it's not only team too, it's the stakeholders. And it's like people can almost pick or sense what's going on in the environment. It's like when you walk into a room and that's saying you can cut the air with a knife because there is just all heaviness in there. You talked about um, love, but I would imagine too that comes through in impatience, comes through. And what are some other things that you've seen that work really well and that has just really contributed to, I'm sure, high performance, high morale, team working with low staff turnover as well. What are some things that we want to start adopting and being mindful of having in our workplace? 
think the, the first thing is trust, right? And, and I've heard so many times that I've heard leaders say, people have to earn my trust. And I fundamentally disagree. I think that we have to extend trust. And so by extending trust to your team, what that looks like is if you ask your team or your stakeholders or anybody for that matter to do a piece of work and they turn it in and you redo it, that's not trust. And, and this is a very personal example. I'm, I'm, I used to do that. Right. So my team, I would give them work. They would turn in good work. But I would take the time to redo their work. And what happened is they actually stopped turning in good work because they knew that I would ultimately redo it. And it wasn't until I had a very courageous young lady tell me, listen, you don't trust us. And here wow. you were experiencing. I had no idea because in my heart, I thought I was just making it better. And mm. what I was doing by action was, was saying to them, I don't trust you. And so it had nothing to do with the words coming out of my mouth and everything to do with actions. So when I talk about trust, I, I say, you know, extend the trust, but show it in action as mm. and assume that people have the very best intention. Most people don't get up out of bed every day, go to work and say, I think I'm going to do a stinky job today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only going to do half of the work because Stacey's <laughs> going to do the rest of it anyway. So Thanks. true. So trust Again. is so important. <laughs> trust is so important. And what are, what are some other things that, that you've seen are so important in a workplace? The, the intentional conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's the intentionality around having a convert, conversation with people that goes beyond just the work at hand and it goes beyond just whatever is happening. So often we have two different personas. Mm. We have a work persona and then we have the rest of our life persona. And there has it there has been this, you know, shift of well I can't really show up as my true whole self because mm. I'm at work. And work, Stacy, has to look like this versus, you know, pastoring Stacy looks like this versus, you know, motorcycle Stacy. Yes. And I've realized if we're intentional and we talk to people about their whole self, mm-hmm. they'll slowly start to engage. And that builds a community of family. And it yes. builds a community of people who really know each other and they can say, I'm needed. And I'm known. Mm. So true. And, and isn't it where, you know, if we compartmentalize, what's the word when we can, yeah, anyway, you know, when we've got different compartments, <laughs> it's been late in the day and it's nearly lunchtime. So, hey, uh, words are hard. Um, we just, we can't have those intentional conversations. And I think workplaces where it works, work. And that, I mean, there's obviously to a degree, but I, I love the way that you're saying, look, bring that person because you never know that there may be a commonality or, or something that you, when you bring into the workplace can just be that, that connection with your team, you know, that, that can be really important. I remember a number of months, whether it was months or years, I can't remember because being in lockdown over the last whatever, you know, time is a, you know, just, it's just a word, but someone shared 
that one of the things that they started to do in their workplace that had been so impactful was around the leadership table, everyone had an opportunity to share with the team, and it was men and women around the team, uh, a, a circumstance, a situation that had happened in their life good or bad, that they believed had really impacted their their style, their work style, mm. their approach, their beliefs, that kind of thing. And it was interesting as people all went around the table and shared, you know, a real monumental time in their life, a significantly emotional event, how much the rest of the team began to appreciate how that situation had impacted how they showed up. And it was like, oh, is that why that person is more protective of that? Or and and situation like that, how often as individuals and leaders, we need to be mindful that who is coming to work for us or is working alongside us is not just that person that comes to work, is that it's a person who has had circumstances and experiences that may be impacting. And we may have an opportunity to be able to speak into that person's life, to be that ear, you know, that shoulder to lean on that they never have had. And that can be the difference between them healing from that, moving forward from that, or feeling that, you know, in this workplace, this team, I feel safe, I feel respected, I feel trusted. Yes? Yes, 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 to all of that. And, you know, when, when we create that space and we create that safe space for people to to share, one of the other things that's inevitably happening is that trust is building. And so it kind of goes yeah. back to that trust. And so with that safe space, people will be more trusting of, if I share this information, it's not going to be used against me. It's yes. actually going to be used for me because people want to get to know me. Mm. And it, is, it does make all the difference in the world. And I have seen healing through that. I have seen it where people really feel, I'm glad I shared that. Because yes. used as a weapon, it was used as an embrace. Yeah, exactly. And I, I often, you know, that saying, I remind myself that of that quite often is that, you know, if you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, you would probably have a much different opinion and an appreciation. So the opinion becomes appreciation. And that even, you know, and then when we're working with individuals, it's not you know, we need to be able to work together and there may be some differences there, but being able to put them aside and having that trust and respect so that we can all work together for the common good, which is obviously the vision, the mission and, and so forth of the business. Let's talk about something else that I know many people struggle with, whether or not they have a chain, they can do this on their own. And that is perfection. And I love the way you said perfection is a unicorn. So share more about this. So as a recovering perfectionist, I say it is a unicorn. Uh, there, there's only one perfect person ever, and, and that is Jesus. And we often strive for perfection. And it's a unicorn because the word in and of itself is subjective. Yeah. And your definition of perfection may be very different from mine. So somebody watching this show might think that tree, which by the way is plastic, is perfection. Meanwhile, I was struggling like you wouldn't believe right before this. And so when we strive for perfection, we're really striving for something that absolutely 
does not exist. Yeah. And it stifles progress. You know, so yes. I embrace progress. I say, let's embrace and celebrate forward momentum, bits of progress that get us moving in the right direction versus that elusive word perfection, which does not yeah. exist. Well, isn't that wonderful? Because at the beginning of the show, when I was, we were just going, I said, oh, I love that plant. And you go, mm-hmm. so there you go. And it is a very stunning plant. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to say that it was plastic. We would have no idea. Uh, but it is so true on a serious note. You know, I love that, mm-hmm. you know, go for progress. Something that I commented, I remember quite some time ago about uh, on LinkedIn, and someone said, isn't that one and of the same? I said, don't worry about perfection, just give me excellence. And I said, but isn't that the same? I said, excellence is kind of, it can be subjective, but mm-hmm. if I know that I have given my my utmost, if, if that is excellent for me, then I can continue. We can continue to grow because what we thought was excellent last month mm-hmm. has been developed, has continued to grow. But if you bring your best you know, consistently, I think that's all we really can can ask for. And I think that's so good to model. I mean, everything that you've spoken about today, I believe is so important for us to model, not just as leaders in business, but just in, in general and life in general, because what we model, we can also encourage others. We can empower others to be. And I think perfection can keep people stuck. As a recovering perfectionist, you know, I can sit there on Canva and be sitting with this thing, moving at one millimeter, you know, still doing it. It's still not right. It's true, isn't it? The amount of time we can waste in trying to get something that's perfect. Absolutely. You know, perfection actually almost cost me my reputation in, in one of my roles because wow. I wanted it to be, I wanted a project for a really important internal stakeholder to be so perfect. I hadn't turned it in and I was late and I thought that I was justified in being late because it wasn't perfect. And one day what ended up happening was this internal stakeholder called a meeting with me and I thought it was true view where I was at and, and he really gave me some, some tough feedback mm-hmm. and said, good is good. And that actually really stuck with me. He's like, good is good. Your perfect is different than my perfect. And if you don't get this turned in and get it done, that's going to start affecting your reputation. And people are going to, to notice that you're not getting work done quickly or that you're stalling or that you're in, and he actually called it a perfection loop. Loop, And he said, let's just work on progress. Good is good. And we're going to start. Mm. So not wow. only you know, take up our time, it can really affect our careers and our reputations as well. What a what a um, a wonderful opportunity! It would have been difficult, I'm sure, at the time to hear that. But what a, a wonderful uh, words to to really um, have been given at that time for people who are really stuck in that perfection. And, and I have had a number of clients, and and being there myself, it really does require that. Okay, and you said good is good. Because then it's kind of like, well, how do we know where that level of good is? So what did you do? Was it a, a, a slow start for you or did you have kind of a me- measurement that you said, well, when all of the points are done, I'll edit it once and off it goes. What did that look like for you? So I had to get comfortable, first of all, that that the word good was not a bad word. I, I think that as a professional, <laughs> good 
it was a, a good word, not a bad word. And to answer your question with the specific steps, what I did was I made small milestones and I gave myself like mini deadlines. And I said, okay, by this day, this is what I'd like to have done. And to hold myself accountable, I told that to my business partner. And I said, here's what I'm going to turn into you on this day. Mm. And it probably, and I said, it's probably not going to be perfect. And when I said that, I wanted so much to pull those words right back in. And he goes, "Mm, good, good. And so it was that it was getting the positive feedback on the small bits that in my mind weren't perfect, but were done. And in retrospect, the feedback that I got was, this is great. It's Mm. not even good. It's great. So part of it was letting down the expectation level that I had because I couldn't even meet it. The second Mm. part was making small mini deadlines and telling people that this is right. Yeah. Brilliant. And have you found that it's gotten easier for you and that, you know, good, let's just make good. Excellent. This is my excellent. (laughs) Yeah. I like, well, the fact that I got over the word good being good. (laughs) Yeah. It has gotten easier and and I'll be honest, it's a daily practice. It is, it is something that, that I believe that as a business leader and as a, as a leader in general, as a human being, we have to practice this every single day. Uh, it does get easier. I notice in, you know, in, in full vulnerability here when it's a stressful time or there's a really big project, I find myself slipping back in. And what I do is I engage my coach or I engage accountability partners where I say, this is an area of opportunity for me. I yes. don't want to get into a cycle. So here's what I'm going to do. And, and here's what I need you to do for me and with me. So I engage the people around me that I know can help. And I have sticky notes actually on my computer. Progress, not perfection. Yeah, that's true. Because I, I would imagine too, and in some instances, uh, that whole perfection, and this has happened to me too, we get into procrastination yes. because, you know, we start to set things up. And I, I, you know, what you have just shared, that's what I do too, to the point where sometimes I've actually gone publicly on, you know, social media like Facebook. I'm just letting you know that this is what I'm going to commit to and I'm going to circle back at the end of the day and uh, I'm not going to circle back at the end of the day and say, you oh, know, I haven't done that. Once that commitment's out there, I think it's, it's important. And, and I'd imagine too, I mean, there's, you, you mentioned something and I think this is so important when it comes to perfection, what you, what you thought was, mm, okay, to other people was, oh my goodness, that is exceptional. And so often we set our bar so high, it's impossible to achieve for anyone, isn't it? It's so true. It so is. And most of the time, actually, actually all of the time when, when I turn work in that I think could be enhanced or better, the feedback is always phenomenal. And, and I bet if your listeners were to kind of ask themselves that same type of question, they would get that, that same answer as well. Yeah. So it's the lowering the bar and knowing that what you're turning in because you're a trusted partner to begin with is yeah. going to be excellent and it's probably going to exceed their expectations. And it gives us an opportunity to go back the next time and enhance bits and enhance a, a bit more so that mm-hmm. it does continue to grow and, and get better. 
Yeah, so important. Well, I have absolutely loved today's conversation, Stacey. For people who'd like to find out more about the work that you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you? They can check me out on my website, www.centerbranch.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Stacey Henry slash zero one, or Facebook, Stacey Henry zero one. Terrific. Well, Stacey, one of the things that I do at the end of every show is just finish with a word of prayer. Can I do that today? Yes, I will. Let's finish. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to speak with Stacey today and be reminded that change is inevitable. And, you know, the insights that she shared around change, around the importance it is to create environments where love is not uh, not apparent when we're talking about it from a leadership point of view, about the, the trust and the, the respect um, and, and really creating an environment in which our team and our stakeholders can feel safe and, and can feel validated and uh, that is so important and the conversation, Lord, around uh, perfection because, Father, if we get stuck in any of those, if we're unable to change, when we, you know, learned today and we've experienced that change is inevitable, when we don't have those work environments and when we are always aiming for perfection, we're not doing uh, the work that we are called to do. So, Father, we just want to thank you for the insights that Stacey shared. We continue to bless her business, the work that she's doing and the clients that she's working with as well. Father, we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Wonderful. It's so important. Change is inevitable. Let's embrace it. Find out what is it that we need to have in place that enables us to take those steps as we come, become far more comfortable with what's going on. Always make sure that we do have that core fundamental root of love there. It's so important as individuals and businesses. And let's just realise that good is good. Good is good aim for uh, progress rather than perfection. So great insights from today's show. So thanks once again for sharing them, Stacey. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've loved being on your show. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.